Section 4 of Earth's Enigmas. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by April 6090, California, United States of America. Earth's Enigmas by Sir Charles G. D. Roberts. Within Sound of the Saws. Lumber had gone up and the big mill on the Aspahagen was working overtime. Through the range of square openings under the eaves, the sunlight streamed in steadily upon the strident tumult, the confusion of sun and shadow within the mill. The air was sweet with the smell of fresh sawdust and clammy with the ooze from great logs just yanked up the dripping slides from the river. One had to pitch his voice with peculiar care to make it audible amid the chaotic din of the saws in the middle of the mill worked the gang a series of upright saws that rose and fell swiftly cleaving their way with a pulsating vicious clamor through an endless and sullen procession of logs here and there each with a massive table to itself hummed the circulars large and small and whensoever a deal or a pile of slabs was brought in contact with one of the spinning discs upon the first arcing spirit of sawdust spray began a shrieking note which would run the whole vibrant and intolerable gamut as the saw bit through the fibres from end to end in the occasional brief moments of comparative silence when several of the saws would chance to be disengaged at the same instant might be heard far down in the lower story of the mill the grumbling roar of the two great turbine wheels which sucking in the tortured water from the sluices gave life to all the wilderness of cranks and shafts above that end of the mill which looked down river stood open to a height of about seven feet across the whole of the upper story from this opening ran a couple of long slanting ways each two feet wide and about a hundred feet in length raised on trestles the track of these slides as they are technically termed consisted of a series of wooden rollers along which the deals raced in endless sequence from the saws to drop with a plunge into a spacious basin at the lower end of which they were gathered into rafts. Whenever there is a break in the procession of deals, the rollers would be left spinning briskly with a cheerful murmur. There was also a shorter and steeper slide, diverging to the lumber yard, where clapboards and such light stuff were piled till they could be carted to the distant station. In former days it had been the easy custom to dump the sawdust into the stream but the fish wardens had lately interfered and put a stop to the practice now a tall young fellow in top boots gray homespun trousers and blue shirt was busy carting the sawdust to a swampy hollow near the lower end of the main slides sandy mcpherson was a new hand only that morning had he joined the force at the asphahagen mill and every now and then he would pause remove his battered soft felt from his whitish yellow curls mop his red forehead and gaze with the hearty appreciation at the fair landscape spread out beyond the mill with himself and with the world in general he felt on fairly good terms an easy frame of mind which would have been much jarred had he been conscious of the fact that from a corner in the upper story of the mill his every movement was watched with a vindictive and ominous interest in that corner close by the head of one of the main slides stood a table whose presiding genius was a little swinging circular the circular was tended by a powerful sombre visaged old mill-hand called 
liege van dyne whose office it was to trim square the ragged ends of the stuff before it went down the slide at the very back of the table hummed the saw like a great hornet and whenever van dyne got two or three deals in place before him he would grasp a lever above his head and forward through its narrow slit in the table would dart the little saw and scream its way in a second through the tough white spruce every time he let the saw swing back van dyne would drop his eyes to the blue-shirted figure below and his harsh features would work with concentrated fury these seven years he had been waiting for the day when he should meet sandy mcpherson face to face seven years before liege van dyne had been working in one of the mills near st john new brunswick while his only daughter sarah was living out at service in the city at this time sandy mcpherson was employed on the city wharves and an acquaintance which he formed with the pretty housemaid resulted in a promise of marriage between the two van dyne and his wife were satisfied with the girl's account of her lover and the months slipped by swiftly without their making his acquaintance among the fishing and lumbering classes however it not seldom happens that betrothal brings with it rather more intimate privileges than propriety could sanction once it came to pass that one evening sarah returned to her parents unexpectedly having been dismissed from her situation in disgrace van dyne though ignorant was a clear-seeing man who understood his own class thoroughly and after his first outburst of wounded indignation he had forgiven and comforted his daughter no less tenderly than her mother had done he knew perfectly that the girl was no wanton he went at once into the city with the intention of fetching sandy out and covering up the disgrace by an immediate marriage he visited the wharves but the young man was not there with growing apprehension he hastened to his boarding-house only to learn that macpherson had left the place and was departing for the states by the next train having been married the previous evening the man's pain and fury at this revelation almost choked him but he mastered himself sufficiently to ask a boy of the house to accompany him to the station and point out the betrayer if the train had not gone he would be in time to avenge his poor girl the boy however took alarm at something in van dyne's face and led him by a roundabout way so that just as he drew near the station the western express rolled out with increasing speed on the rear platform stood a laughing young woman bedecked in many colors and beside her a tall youth with a curly yellow head whom the boy pointed out as sandy mcpherson he was beyond the reach of vengeance for this time but his features stamped themselves ineffaceably on the avenger's memory as the latter turned away to bide his time in a grim silence the young woman on the platform of the car said to her husband i wonder who that was sandy that looked like he was going to run after the cars didn't you see his arms kind o jerked out like that but he didn't start after all there he goes up the hill with one pant leg in his boot he looked kind of wild i'm just as glad he didn't get aboard he's one of your old fellers as you've given the go-by too a kind of suspicion sis replied the young man with a laugh and the train roared into a cutting about a year after these events van dyne's wife died and van dyne thereupon removed with sarah and her baby to the interior of the province settling down finally at aspahagen mills here he built himself a small cottage on a steep slope overlooking the mill and here sarah by her quiet and self-sacrificing devotion to her father and her child wiped out the memory of her error 
and won the warm esteem of the settlement as for the child he grew into a handsome blue-eyed sturdy boy whom his grandfather loved with a passionate tenderness intensified by a subtle strain of pity as year by year his daughter and the boy twined themselves ever closer about his heart van dyne's hate against the man who had wronged them both kept ever deepening to a keener anguish but now at last the day had come when first he had caught sight of macpherson in the yard below the impulse to rush down and throttle him was so tremendous that as he curbed it the blood forsook his face leaving it the color of ashes and for a few seconds he could not tend his saw presently when the yelping little demon was again at work biting across the timbers the foreman drew near and van dyne asked him who's the new hand down yonder oh said the foreman leaning a little over the bench to follow van dyne's pointing yon's one sandy mcpherson from over on the kennebec he's been working in maine these seven years past but says he's kind of got a hankering after his own country and so he's come back good hand that's so was all van dyne replied all the long forenoon amid the wild or menacing or warning or complaining crescendos and diminuendos of the unresting saws the man's brain seethed with plans of vengeance after all these years of waiting he would be satisfied with no common retribution to merely kill the betrayer would be insufficient he would wring his soul and quench his manhood with some strange unheard-of horror ere dealing the final stroke that should rid earth of his presence scheme after scheme burned through his mind and at times his gaunt face would crease itself in a dreadful smile as he pulled the lever that drove his blade through the new deals finding no plan altogether to his taste however he resolved to postpone his revenge until night at least that he might have the more time to think it over and to indulge the luxury of anticipation with realization so easily within his grasp at noon van dyne muttering to himself climbed the steep path to the little cottage on the hillside he ate his dinner in silence with apparently no perception of what was being set before him his daughter dared not break in upon this preoccupation even his idolized stevie could win from him no notice save a smile of grim triumph that frightened the child just as he was leaving the cottage to return to the mill he saw sarah start back from the window and sit down suddenly grasping at her bosom and blanching to the lips as if she had seen a ghost glancing downward to the black road deep with rotted sawdust he saw macpherson passing who is it he asked the girl it's sandy she murmured flushing scarlet and averting her face her father turned away without a word and started down the hill presently the girl remembered that there was something terrifying in the expression of his face as he asked the curt question with a sudden vague fear rising in her breast she ran to the cottage door father she cried father but van dyne paid no heed to her calls and after a pause she turned back into the room to answer stevie's demand for a cup of milk along about the middle of the afternoon while sandy mcpherson was still carting sawdust and van dyne tending his circular amid the bewildering din stevie and some other children came down to play around the mill the favorite amusement with these embryo mill hands stream drivers and lumbermen was to get on the planks as they emerged from the upper story of the mill and go careering swiftly and smoothly down the sides till just before coming to the final plunge they would jump off and fall on the heap of sawdust this was a game that to the strangers looked perilous enough but there had never been an accident 
so at Aspahegan mills it had outgrown the disapproval of the hands to sandy mcpherson however it was new and from time to time he eyed the sport apprehensively and all the while van dyne glared upon him from his corner in the upper story and the children raced shouting down the slides and tumbled with bright laughter into the sawdust among the children none enjoyed more than stevie this racing down the slides his mother looking out of the window on the hillside saw the merry little figure bareheaded the long yellow curls floating out behind him as he half knelt half sat on the sliding plank ready to jump off at the proper moment she had no thought of danger as she resumed her housework neither had stevie at length it happened however that just as he was nearing the end of the descent an eagle came sailing low overhead caught the little fellow's eye and diverted his attention for a moment it was the fatal moment just as he looked down again gathering himself to jump his heart sprang into his throat and the plank with a sickening lurch plunged into the churning basin the child's shrill frightened shriek was not half uttered ere the waters choked it van dyne had just let the buzzing little circular slip back into its recess when he saw macpherson spring from his cart and dash madly down to the shore at the same instant came that shrill cry so abruptly silenced van dyne's heart stood still with awful terror he had recognized the child's voice in a second he had swung himself down over the scaffolding lighting on a sawdust heap hold back the deals he yelled in a voice that pierced the din it was not five seconds ere every one in the mill seemed to know what had happened two men sprang on the slides and checked the stream of deals then the great turbines ceased to grumble and all the clamor of the saws was hushed the unexpected silence was like a blow and sickened the nerves and meanwhile stevie the plank that bore his weight clinging desperately to it plunged deeper than its fellows and came upon somewhat further from the slide but not now with stevie upon it the child had lost his hold and when he rose it was only to strike against the bottoms of three or four deals that lay clustered together this though apparently fatal was in reality the child's salvation for during the half or three-quarters of a minute that intervened before the slides could be stopped the great planks kept dropping and plunging and crashing about him and had it not been for those very timbers that cut him off from the air he was choking to breathe he would have been crushed and battered out of all human semblance in a second as it was ere he had time to suffocate macpherson was on the spot in an instant the young man's heavy boots were kicked off and without pausing to count the odds which were hideously against him he sprang into the chaos of whirling timbers all about him pounded the falling deals then ceased just as he made a clean dive beneath that little cluster that covered stevie as van dyne reached the shore and was casting desperate glances over the basin in search of some clue to guide his plunge macpherson reappeared on the other side of the deals and stevie's yellow curls were floating over his shoulders the young man clung rather faintly to the supporting planks as if he had overstrained himself and two or three hands who had already shoved off a bateau pushed out and picked him up with his burden torn by a convulsion of fiercely antagonized passions van dyne sat down on the edge of the bank and waited stupidly about the same moment sarah looked out of the cottage door in wonder to see why the mill had stopped so suddenly in all his dreams van dyne had never dreamed of such chance 
as that his enemy should deserve his gratitude in his nature there had grown up one thing stronger than his thirst for vengeance and that one thing was his love for stevie in spite of himself and indeed to his furious self-scorn he found his heart warming strangely to the man who at deadliest risk had saved the life of his darling at the same time he was conscious of a fresh sense of injury a bitter resentment throbbed up in his bewildered bosom to think that macpherson should thus have robbed him of the sweets of that revenge he had so long anticipated the first clear realization that came to him was that though he must kill the man who had wronged his girl he would nevertheless be tortured with remorse forever after a moment more and as he saw sandy step out of the bateau with the boy now sobbing feebly in his arms he knew that his vengeance had been made for ever impossible he longed fiercely to grasp the fellow's hand and make some poor attempt to thank him but he mastered the impulse sarah must not be forgotten he strode down the bank one of the hands had taken stevie and macpherson was leaning against a pile of boards panting for breath van dyne stepped up to him his fingers twitching and struck him a furious blow across the mouth with his open hand then he turned aside snatched stevie to his bosom and started up the bank before going two paces however he paused as if oppressed by the utter stillness that followed his astounding act bending a strange look on the young man he said in a voice as harsh as the saws i was going to kill you tonight, sandy macpherson but now after this day's work of yourn i guess you're safe from me from this out he shut his mouth at a snap and strode up through the piles of sawdust toward the cottage on the hill as for macpherson he was dumbfounded though no boaster he knew he had done a magnificently heroic thing and to get his mouth slapped for it was an exigency which he did not know what to do with he had staggered against the boards from the force of the stroke but it had not occurred to him to resent it though ordinarily he was hot-blooded and quick in a quarrel he stared about him sheepishly bewildered and abashed and unspeakably aggrieved in the faces of the mill-hands who were gathered about him he found no solution of the mystery they looked as astonished as himself and almost equally hot and ashamed presently he ejaculated well i swan then one of the men who had taken out the bateau and picked him up found voice i'll be gosh darned if that ain't the damnedest said he slowly why so i'd thought as how he was a-goin right down on his prayer handles to ye that there kid is the apple of his eye and he was sought on killin me to-night was he murmured macpherson in deepest wonderment what might his name be anyhow liege van dyne spoke up another of the hands and that's his grandchild stevie i reckon he must have a powerful grudge agin you sandy or he'd never a acted that way macpherson's face had grown suddenly serious and dignified is the boy's father and mother livin he inquired sarah van dyne's livin with the old man answered the foreman and as fine a girl as there be in aspahagan don't know anything about the lad's father nor don't want to the man that'd treat a girl like sarah van dyne that way hangin's too good for him macpherson's face flushed crimson and he dropped his eyes boys he said huskily if liege van dyne had a served me as he intended i guess as how i'd have only got my desserts i reckon as how i'm the little lad's father the hands stared at each other 
nothing could make them forget what macpherson had just done they were all daring and ready in emergency but each man felt that he would have thought twice before jumping into the basin when the deals were running on the slides the foreman could have bitten his tongue out for what he had just said he tried to mend matters i wouldn't have thought you was that sort of a man to judge from what i've just seen o you he explained anyhow i reckoned you've more'n made up this day for a wrong you'd done when you was younger but sarah van dyne's as good a girl as they make and i don't hardly see how you could have served her that trick a certain asperity grew in that foreman's voice as he thought of it for as his wife used to say he set a great store by lige's girl not having no daughter of his own it was lies as done it boys said macpherson as for whose lies why that didn't matter here nor there now and she did as much the mischief's deed and buried and before she died she told me all about it that was last winter of the grip and i tell you i felt bad about sarah ever since and to think the little lad's mine boys but ain't he a beauty and sandy's face began to beam with satisfaction at the thought by this time all the hands looked gratified at the turn affairs were to them so plainly taking every one returned to work the foreman remarking aside to a chum i reckon sarah's all right and in a minute or two the saws were once more shrieking their way through the logs and slabs and deals on the following morning as liege van dyne tended his vicious little circular he found its teeth needing resetting they had been tried by a lot of knotty timber he unshipped the saw and took it to the foreman while he was waiting for the latter to get him another saw sandy macpherson came up with a strong effort van dyne restrained himself from holding out his hand in grateful greeting there was a lull in the uproar the men forgetting to feed their saws as they watched the interview sandy's voice was heard all over the mill lee's van dyne i saved the little lad's life and that counts for something but i know right well i ain't got no right to expect you or sarah ever to say a kind word to me but i swear so help me god i hadn't no sort of id what i was doing my wife died last winter over on the kennebec and afore she died she told me everything as i'd take it kindly if you'd let me tell you more particular another time and i was wantin' to say now i'd take it kind if you'd let me go up along to your place this evening and maybe sarah'd let me just talk to the boy a little if so be easy i could persuade her by and by to forget and forgive and you trust me after what i'd done i'd lay out to marry her the minute she'd say the word for there ain't no other woman i've ever set such store by as i do now by her and then there's stevie stevie and the lass has both got a good home interrupted van dyne roughly and i wouldn't want a better for em exclaimed macpherson eagerly catching the train of the old man's thought what i'd want would be if maybe you'd let me come in along with them and you by this time van dyne had got his new saw and he turned away without replying sandy followed him a few paces and then turned back dejectedly to attend his own circular he having been moved into the mill that morning all the hands looked at him in sympathy and many were the ingenuous backwoods oaths which were muttered after van dyne for his ugliness the old man paid little heed however to the tide of unpopularity that was rising about him 
probably absorbed in his own thoughts he was utterly unaware of it all the morning long he swung and fed his circular and when the horn blew for twelve his mind was made up in a the sudden stillness he strode over to the place where macpherson worked and said in a voice of affected carelessness you'd better come along and have a bite of dinner with us sandy you'll be kinder expected i reckon for stevie's powerful anxious to see you sandy grabbed his coat and went along End of Within Sound of Saws